the Lord some praise. Come on. Thanks for being here. Awesome. Wow, what a wonderful audience today. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, in case you missed it earlier on, my name is Nate. I'm the campus pastor at the North Campus. And uh, just really excited to be with you today. If you're visiting today and you're, uh, and you're just checking this church out, I want you to know the real preacher will be back next week, right? Uh, how many of you guys know you're so blessed? Pastor AJ is an incredible pastor. I want to say Pastor Ron and Miss Judy are also just incredible people. You guys give them a hand too. I, uh, every time I come here, I look around and I'm just, wow, like God is doing such an amazing work through the leadership here and through all of you, and we, we just appreciate you so much. Uh, I also want to say for those of you, has anybody been watching online over the last couple months, right? Just with everything going on, a lot of people are just deciding to stay home, or there's some weeks you feel up to it and some weeks you don't, and that's okay. Uh, I just want to say, man, we're so excited about what God is doing through our online service. By the way, I was supposed to release the junior high, the students, so if you want to go, rookie mistake, I apologize for that. But uh, we want to say, we're just so excited about what God is doing online. You may not know this, but uh, behind the scenes, we kind of monitor this and kind of work with this, but there's been more than 50 decisions for Christ through our, our new online platform. Isn't that amazing? Can we give the Lord some praise for what He's doing? He's using our church in a mighty way, even beyond the walls of the church. And can I just tell you, like there was, a, there was one lady, for example, from Orlando who gave her life to Jesus, like people beyond our city who are being affected by the way we're doing church online. So we're just really pumped about that. And, and uh, man, I just want to make a big deal about what God's doing. Anybody else, you okay with that? Can we make a big deal about how God is using our church? I, I come here and I look around, and it's, all, it's happening at all of our campuses, but I look around and I'm like, man, there are churches that are closing, and we're expanding. Like, God is just doing a mighty thing here, and, and so we just... We just praise Him for what He's doing. We're, we are unworthy of His kindness and, and goodness in our lives. But that said, uh, you guys ready for the message today? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Awesome. Let's pray real quick and we'll jump in. Lord, I thank You for today. Lord, I thank You for this, uh, this house. God, I pray You bless uh, this house today. God, I pray You move in a mighty way. God, we pray that You uh, uh, would just... Uh, just Pour your blessing out. Pour your grace out. Pour your life-giving spirit out in this place. God, we just pray that you would work in a mighty way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, with that said, I'm going to start with a little story. Uh, See, a couple of years after... Uh, I've been married for 17 years now, but a couple of years after we got married, my wife Rachel and I got married, uh, we decided to do something fun. We like people. We love people. We like to be around people. We always kind of have people in our house. And uh, this one particular uh, uh, evening, we decided to have everybody, all of our friends over to our house to watch the national championship football game. Anybody hoping that football comes back besides me? Come on. So how many of you guys could care less? You're like, this is the best thing that's ever happened in the world. All right, I know that you're out there, but can I tell you, there's some of us that are like, please, Lord, I need some football. But uh, uh, we decided to have everybody else, uh, everybody over to our house to watch the football game, which, can I tell you, I have no idea who played in that game, which is kind of the point that I'm trying to make. But we decided to have all of our friends over to watch the national championship game. And uh, as we were getting ready, we kind of realized we had a big problem. Uh, see, the only TV Rachel and I had when we got married was this 19-inch box TV that sat on top of our dresser in our bedroom. Like, that was our TV. And, and, and so we, I just went to my wife and I said, honey, in order for us to like really minister to people, you know what I'm saying? 
You know how guys like make up like ridiculous reasons to buy bigger TVs? I went to my wife and I said, honey, in order for this to be a great experience, like we need to up our TV game. And so we went to Sears and that day we bought a, a, a bigger TV. Now this was before flat panel TVs and a lot of the technology we have today. So we bought a 55 inch box TV. I have a picture of it in case you don't remember what these things look like. Maybe it's going to go, maybe not. Um, it's behind you, if not. There it is, there it is. Anybody have one of those? Anybody have? Okay, so some of you had. So listen, that thing was so huge. It weighed about 7,000 pounds, and we had it delivered on game day. I was so excited about it. Like on game day, the Sears truck backs into our driveway. He's got to have an elevator lift to get it down to the ground. It took three of us to carry this monster into our house, right? It was huge. It took up half our living room. Rachel loved it. And, um, and so... We got it in the house, and we're getting ready. Again, it's game day, and I, and I got a little bit prideful. I'm going to be honest. Uh, so I, I told everybody, I was like, we're not even going to turn this thing on until it's time for the game to start. So we get it plugged in. We get it all hooked up. We get everything ready to go. About 10 minutes before the pregame starts, I bring everybody into the living room, and I was like, it's game time. Y'all ready? It's game time. And so I grabbed the remote, and I said, I said Lord, thank you. And I clicked the power button. And you know what happened? Nothing happened. That's right. Nothing happened. Not one thing happened. It was a dud. I got, I'm the guy that bought the TV that didn't work. Like right off the showroom floor, I bought this TV, get it in the house. It doesn't work. Nothing happens. And so we panicked and because everybody's there to watch the game, right? And so we, I went into our bedroom and I got the little 19-inch TV and I brought it in and I sat it on top of the big 55-inch TV that takes up our whole living room. And we watched the national championship on that TV. Listen, the TV, that 19-inch screen was so small, we might as well have been watching the game from outer space. Everybody was that big. We have no idea who won the game, who even played in the game, because that TV was so small. But the funny thing about it is, after that happened, um, I, I found myself... I found myself just apologizing to everyone. Like I was going, like the whole night I'm going to all my friends, like I'm so sorry. I know you came over to watch the game. Now we can't really watch it. I'm so sorry. We got to watch the game on this little TV. I'm so sorry that this didn't work out. And I just kept apologizing and apologizing until finally my wife, Rachel, looks over at me and she goes, Nate, stop being sorry. Stop being sorry. Stop apologizing for the TV. And look who's here. All your friends are here. All your people are here. Like the people you love, they are here. We're all here together. Stop being sorry about what you don't have and start recognizing and celebrating what you do, right? And you know what? We had a great time that night. We, would, we went on and had a great time. Ultimately, that TV and that game were just distractions from what really mattered. They were distractions from the greater blessing right in front of us, the people that God had brought into our life, God's provision that allowed us to have a home to bring people into, the opportunity to share Jesus with our friends that didn't yet know him. Like all of that stuff was just a distraction from the greater work that God was doing. You know, that night, I I think the way I remember it anyways is everything that could go wrong went wrong. But I think what it only revealed is that my focus was in the wrong place. And I was celebrating the wrong things. Now, I tell you that to say, to ask you a question, really, where is your focus? Are you focused on what you don't have? Or are your eyes open to see what you do have? Are you focused on what you don't have? Or are your eyes open to see what you do have? 
Because the truth is, if God is with us, then we have a reason to celebrate. Like if God is at work in our lives, if we've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have a reason to celebrate. The question is really, do we see it? I want to ask you this question today, and I think it's, it's very important. Do you see your reasons to celebrate? You know, we're in the series called Who is God? And this, what I want, this week I want, to, I want to introduce you to who God is as El Sim Shajila. God, our exceeding joy. El Sim Shajila, God, our exceeding joy. Like, do you have joy in your life? Are you overflowing with joy? This is really funny. I'm, I'm, I'm always kind of puzzled when I meet grumpy Christians. You ever meet a grumpy Christian? You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, you have Jesus. You have the hope of the world. You, you have the eternal peace in heaven. You have, you have the hope of eternity to come. Like, and you, why are you still so grumpy? Right? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. El Sim Shajila. You know, according to Scripture, if you know God, then you no longer live in the world of my glasses half full or half empty. But the Bible says that your cup runs over. Right? He came to give us life overflowing. He isn't God of our occasional joy. He's God of our exceeding joy. That's why today I, I, I want to I ask you, how is God revealed, blessed, provided, forgiven, poured out, delivered you? What has God done in your life that you're grateful for? Do you have anything you're able to celebrate? Right? Can I just tell you, like, if, if anybody in the world has a reason to throw a party, it's us. Right? If anybody in the world, like Sunday morning when you come to church, you should be like, I got a party I've got to go to today, right? Like, we got a party we got to go to because we are saved by grace, filled with God's goodness and spirit. Like, we've got a reason to celebrate. The question is just, do we see it? As God's people, do we see our reason, our reasons, our many reasons to celebrate? I want to ask you to do me a favor as we go through this uh, message. I don't know, if, by the way, I don't know if Pastor AJ is like a pacer. I'm kind of a floor pacer, so I'm going to probably like leave a track right here. Um, but uh, I want to ask you to do me a favor today. As we consider this question, do you see your reason to celebrate? I want to ask you to take out your phones or take out a notepad or, or a pen and a paper, whatever it is. And I want you to write that question down. Right? You can do it digitally or, you know, we're a technology-friendly church. Uh, but, but write that question down. Do you see your reason to celebrate? And then write down the reasons you have to celebrate. Right? And if you're not sure, when you go home, look at the pictures on your wall. See your reasons to celebrate. Unless you have that picture from Target where you never took the, like, the really fancy couple out. That doesn't count. Just kidding. Write down the answers to that question. I want to tell you, if you don't hear anything else I say today, if you don't get anything else out of this message today, if all you do is recognize the reasons that God has given you to rejoice and celebrate in life, then this message will have been worth your time. Amen? Well, uh, to, to kind of bring this to life a little bit, I, I want to tell you a story from the Bible. I want to, I want to um, look to 1 Chronicles chapter 29, uh, really the whole book of 1 Chronicles. But in 1 Chronicles 29, we see this moment of kind of uh, in King David's life where he recognizes something really, really significant. See, King David had this dream in his heart to build the temple for God, like to build the place where the Ark of the Covenant would reside and the presence of God would reside. He had this dream within him to build the the, the house of the Lord. 
right? He had this great dream in his heart, but at some point, he realized that he wasn't going to be the one to finish it. Like this, the dream, he had the dream, like God had, God had given him the dream. And at some point, he realized that although he had this dream within him, he wasn't going to be the one. His hands weren't going to be the hands that would finish this work. Anybody ever have something that didn't go the way you thought it would? Right. Can I ask you, do your circumstances dictate your joy? Or does your joy in the Lord dictate how you handle your circumstances? Right. Listen, we've all had stuff that doesn't go the way we thought it should. We, every one of us do. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I did a wedding. And at this wedding, um, at this wedding, I, I, I'm just going to let you know, it was the best wedding message I've ever preached in my life. I thought everybody was going to get saved, right? It was like the best, it was the best wedding message I've ever preached in my life. There's one problem with it. When I, when I looked up from my notes after finishing the wedding sermon, I realized I never gave the bride away. And like, how are we going to? You see what I'm saying? Like, like, so it wasn't going the way I thought it would. Like, I preached this message, and I'm pouring my heart out. I'm giving it everything I have. Then I look up, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I forgot why I'm here to all the aspiring preachers. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how good your wedding sermon is if you forget to give the bride away. Nobody cares how good your message is if you forget to give the bride away. Man, I was like, oh, my goodness. What am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? Right? We've all had things that don't go the way we thought they should go. The question is, what are, how are, who are we going to be in that moment when things don't happen the way we think they should? I, I love David's response to this. It, what you see in David's response when it doesn't happen the way he should, when he doesn't get what he wants, his response to that is not to freak out. His response isn't to, isn't to be frustrated. Like, like you would think, how many of you guys have had something not go the way you thought it should and your response to that was not so pretty? Like, that's been my response a few times, right? But that wasn't David's response. David, you would think he'd be mad, like, I'm, this is supposed to be the thing I'm going to do, but it, you, you'd think he'd be like, why, God, why? You would think he would be frustrated or angry, but he's not. He's not. In fact, I want to show you David's response to this. It's in First, First Chronicles 29, if you want to turn there. And in First Chronicles 29, verse 10, so here's what's happening. David has gathered all the people together. He's gathered all the elders together to tell them that Solomon is going to be the one to finish this great work. He's gathered everybody together to tell them that he wasn't going to be the one to finish the job. And this is, and he says, and here's my response to this. Here you go. Ready? David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, praise be to God, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from, from you. You're the ruler of all things, and your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. That's David's response to not getting what he wanted. Right? And the reason why he was able to respond that way is this, because he he let God, his relationship with God, dictate how he would respond to things not going the way that he hoped they would. Right? Even though he knew he would never see the dream completed, he continued towards it. Why? Why was David able to do that? Why was King David able to have this attitude of celebration even though he would never see the house of God built? 
in his lifetime. It's pretty amazing. If you read down there, it says there's a point where it says he gathers, gathers the people together, tells them this news. He's, he, he's done. He's, he's hanging it up. He's, his, he's, his life is coming to an end. It says in the next verse, in verse 26, that they anoint Solomon as king. There's a festival to, to celebrate Solomon's uh, new kingship. And then in verse 26, it says uh, that we read David's obituary. That's it. But David just had this attitude that if I'm going out, I'm going out celebrating, I'm going out believing, I'm going out, like I'm going to have my mic drop moment, there's nothing that's going to keep, like I'm giving everything for God. No matter what he faced, he had a reason to celebrate. And I want to show you why he lived celebrating and why you can too. I want to give you a few, I want to show you a few reasons why David could live celebrating and why you can as well. And the first reason why David could live celebrating is this. David lived celebrating because he remembered where God found him. No matter what he faced, no matter what he was up against, no matter what didn't work out the way he thought it should, he remembered that the only reason he was there in the first place is because God came and got him. Remember who David was before he was King David? Remember that? He was a little boy in a, in, in, in a pasture. He was everybody's last choice. No one even brought him into the conversation. He wasn't even invited to the party. That's who David was. And see, no matter where David went, he always remembered where God found him. Anybody here remember where God found you? You remember where God found you? Can I, can I ask you to do me a favor? Somebody shout out a word that represents where God found you. I'll, I'll help you out. Mine is searching. That's where God found me. How about you? Broken? Addicted? That's where God found you? Anybody else? Right? Lost and confused? Yeah. Absolutely. Can I tell you, if you need a reason to celebrate, remember where he found you. Remember where he found you at. I remember where God found me, and I was not innocent. I was not innocent. And many of you can celebrate that too. Remember where he found you. David remembered where God found him. And here's the other thing. David could live celebrating because he, he know that even though God found him where he found him, that God's grace was bigger than his greatest failures. God's grace is bigger than your greatest failures. That's why David could live celebrating. It didn't matter that he had a crown on his head. Underneath that crown was somebody who had lied and cheated and stole, who had blood on their hands. Like underneath that crown was someone who was caught in deceit. But then David cried out for grace. He said, God, blot out my transgressions. Right? And God said, yes. Since Psalm 51, you see the repentant moment of King David where he cries out, God, God, God blot out my transgressions. And it says in that moment that his, his soul was made white as snow. He said, God, blot out my transgressions. Forgive me of my greatest sins. And God said, Yes. You need a reason to celebrate. Anybody here remember what God forgave you of? Right? And do you understand that his grace is greater than your greatest failures? You need another reason to celebrate, another reason? That, that moment didn't end David, but it was actually a launch pad for David, for the next leg of the race. Right? See, see God wasn't done with David yet. And can I tell you, you can live celebrating too because God isn't through with you yet. God isn't through with you yet. Right? God, God isn't through with you. Anybody here thankful for God's goodness and faithfulness? Right? What have you been wrestling through? What have you been struggling with? 
He's not through with you yet. Do you understand that? I want everybody here, look me in the eyes right now. I want you to hear me say this. No matter what brought you here today, no matter what caused you to come in these doors today, I need you to know that God is not through with you yet. Can I get an amen if you hear that? Right? God is not through with you yet. I love Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think, or imagine according to whose power? His power at work within us. It's not you that saves yourself, but you have a mighty Savior of the world, and His name is Jesus. And He's not through with you yet. He's not through with you yet. Right? Until, until heaven or Jesus comes back, He's not through with you yet. I like how Tennyson put it. Until we get to that one far-off divine event to which all of creation moves, until we get there, right? God isn't done making you, recreating you, restoring you, rebuilding you into, into His image. Now, that said, we are just passing through this place, right? We are just passing through. And this is the next thing I need you to know. If you're going to know why you can celebrate, you can celebrate because, because heaven is on the way. You can, you can celebrate because God has called you heavenward, right? Despite your past, God has saved you from your past, and he's calling you heavenward, right? We can celebrate because of that. We can celebrate God's eternal work. We can celebrate that heaven is our future. We can celebrate like Jesus has gone ahead to prepare a place in eternity for us, right? We have a reason to celebrate. We can praise him like he went to the cross and covered our sins and conquered hell and conquered death and saved our souls and secured a place in eternity for each one of us. We can celebrate, can't we? We have a reason to celebrate. We can praise him like, like we will uh, when we're with the angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? And you can celebrate because when you've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun, you'll have no less, day, no less days to sing his praise than when you first begun, right? We can celebrate. We can celebrate because God's paid the highest price. Listen, you can live celebrating because God has everything, has given everything to know and be known by you. You can live celebrating because God has surrounded you with people who care about you and who you care about. Listen, you can live celebrating because the King of Kings and Lord of Lords meets you in your place of need and he is our provider and his generosity towards his children cannot be matched. We can live celebrating because God owns the universe. God owns the universe, but he so loves you. He so loves you. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, David had a reason to celebrate. That's why his circumstances didn't define his response to his circumstances. I mean, that's why his, his circumstances didn't define who he was or, or how he responded. But his relationship with God defined that. And the same is true with us. When we have this deep relationship with Jesus, when we have this deep relationship with God, our exceeding joy, then the circumstances we face in life no longer have the power to control our reaction and response. But our, re our relationship with him is this foundational good news that leads us to how we react to the things we face. David would never see the house of God built in his life. Still, he worked to prepare a way for it till his last breath. Right? You know why? Because for David, it wasn't about David's kingdom. It's, it was about God's kingdom and power and glory forever.
It was about celebrating this relationship that he had, this truth that God holds the constellations in his hands, but he knows us by name. Right? It was this truth that God invites every one of us close to know him, to know him as El Simsha Jila, our exceeding joy. Here's why this matters. Here's why this message matters for you today. Because if you miss that, if you miss all the reasons that God gives you in life to celebrate, the people, the, the, his, his love poured out, his, if you miss that, if you think that you can find that without him, like if you miss that, all the reasons he's given you to celebrate, quite honestly, friend, you miss your reason. You miss your reason. Let me describe it like this. I'm going to kind of wrap up with this story. When I was in high school, um, I was a terrible student. Anybody got an amen right there? <laughs> I was not the most well put together. I was, I'm a late bloomer. Any late bloomers in the, in the house, right? Uh, so I was, I was not the most well put together student. I was not the most conscientious student uh, but in fact, I remember when I was in high school, I would get to school and it wasn't that rare that I'd get to homeroom. I don't know if they even still have homeroom, but I'd get to homeroom and I'd get to homeroom and find out that we had like a paper that was due in fourth period. And so I would start, I would ignore my next three classes and write fervishly to finish this paper so I could turn it in on time. Right? Like I, I did that kind of stuff. And, and, um, but I remember this one particular day I got really ambitious and I, my science teacher at that time, he had like a schedule for every class and he put it on the wall. So you could always go and look at the schedule and get a head start. So I decided one day I was going to go look at the schedule and find my class and look at the schedule and figure out what my next assignment was and go home and get a head start and work on it and get it all together. And, and, and so I did that. And I remember like I, I, I got my assignment. I went home. I worked my tail off. I got things ready. Well, the next week I came back to class and I brought this paper in that I had done this, this essay that I wrote and I put it on his desk and I was like, bam, that's an A waiting to happen right there, you know? Like that's a, that needs to go in a trophy case in a museum. That's a good paper. And I gave this paper to the teacher and, and I, I turned it in. I was, a, I, honestly, I was the only one that turned that paper in at that point. I didn't really get it at the time. But I turned this paper in and uh, the next week I came back and he was passing out graded papers and he put this back on my desk. And I looked at the top of it, and at the top of it, it said, great content. Great content. And I said, yes, it is. And then I flipped to the back where the grade was, and it said, F. Wrong assignment. I guess I looked at the wrong schedule for the wrong class. So my, my paper said, great content wrong assignment great content wrong assignment can I just challenge you today nobody wants to get to the end of their life and hear those words nobody wants to get to the end of their lives and look back on all they've done and realize that for all their busyness and activity and spinning plates and juggling you know all, all these things like nobody wants to get to the end and look back and think for all that stuff that I was doing that didn't matter I missed the point nobody wants to hear great content I never ask you to do that 
You were celebrating all the wrong things. You were worried about the big screen TV and you missed the people in your house. You were so worried about all the activity and stuff that was going on. You were so busy doing all these things to build your kingdom that you missed what I was asking you to do and all the reasons I was giving you to celebrate. Right, Jesus said, who cares if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? And so I'm asking today, are your eyes open to see all of God's blessings around you? Do you have the exceeding joy that comes with knowing God? Are your circumstances defining your reactions? Or is a firm foundation in Jesus define how you respond to your circumstances? Do you see all the many reasons he's given you to celebrate? Now let me close with this. At the beginning of this message, I asked you to make a list of what is most important in your life and all the reasons that God has given you to celebrate. And I hope you did that. If you didn't, I encourage you to. But I want to close with a different question. Does how you spend your time and your resources and your talent reflect that what you say you celebrate is actually what you celebrate? Does how you spend your life reflect that what you say matters actually matters? And if not, what will you do to change? What will you do to change? so that you can live a life of celebration, so that you can live a life knowing God is your exceeding joy. What reasons do you have to celebrate? And what will you do to live like it?